You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, uh, President Biden has flown to Rome. He's going to Vatican City, uh, a sovereign nation, uh, nation of about two blocks, and uh, he's meeting with the Pope. Are you excited? Um, well, I don't really care, but I'm sure he's excited. <laughs> so you're not, so you're not <laughs> I, excited. I mean, I just don't care, but I'm sure that you know, Biden, he's such a Catholic. I'm sure he's excited. Yeah. Um, were, now, he's were, met the Pope before, right? When the Pope yeah, yeah, came to the U.S. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, eyeball to eyeball, two leaders yeah. of the free world. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean, know if I, I'd call the Pope that, but. No, hmm. I, I don't know if he knows the Pope well enough to, like, call him Frank or anything. <laughs> so, or as, as mom used to call him, Popey. Popey, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I was thinking about, uh, though, I mean, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, I am, uh, the amount of excitement uh, that surrounded uh, John Kennedy, a Catholic, uh, being elected president, the first Catholic ever elected president. As it would turn out, uh, John Kennedy probably was not the most faithful of Catholics or the most (laughs) faithful of husbands either. Right. As John Meacham said this morning, when he was elected president or at that time, someone said, I don't know why you're worried about him being president <laughs> because he was not a good Catholic, I guess. But Bobby was. Remember, Bobby had like eight kids. And oh, yeah. And he was yeah. a hardcore Catholic. I think a cheater on Ethel, too, but, you know, a more faithful Catholic than his brother, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is... In, in saying that, it brings up kind of one of the key issues right now, because if you talk to Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Chaput, uh, EWTN uh, Broadcasting, a group called the Church Militant, they would tell you Joe Biden is not, not only is he not a faithful Catholic, I think they would say he's not really a Catholic at all. And that's why they wanted to ban him from receiving communion. A uh, pretty incredible thing. I think, uh, as I would say, Popey, we'll go with that. I think Popey Francis uh, would say, no, Joe Biden is actually kind of my kind of Catholic uh, there. And, and this, for the American church, uh, this is a big divide. It is. And... Um... I was thinking that when I um, was starting to watch the coverage this morning of Biden going to Rome, that for many Catholics, it's, you know, very conservative Catholic, it's probably super disturbing to watch him, Joe Biden, get an audience with the Pope, which is not an easy thing to do, um, when they don't believe that he's, to use their expression, Catholic enough or Catholic at all, which for us is like, oh, my God, who are you to judge? I don't think that you've been listening either to the Pope or Jesus. That's not your call. 
I think for many conservative Catholics, um, Biden is, he's not one of them in any way, despite the fact that he's probably more devout than most people baptized Catholic in the last century. Well, he is, and you know, you really hit there on the uh, the key issue. And there are a couple of things we could think back on. Uh, Pope Benedict, Joseph Ratzinger, you know, maybe expressed the one point of view, the more conservative point of view, uh, the best. This was before he was Pope, uh, when he wrote kind of more freely. And at that point, he said that uh, the Roman Church should work towards a smaller but more orthodox church. So he felt, let's just cut away those people on the fringes who don't really believe. And you know where the roots of all this is for my little short history uh, lesson? Go back to the 1800s, the 19th century. At that point, in the first half of the 1800s, the Pope was still a major political temporal leader. Uh, the Papal States were the largest single unit in what is now Italy. People forget, Italy was not a nation. It was kind of a rough collection of nationalities and various little states uh, that were together. They identified together, and they would eventually unify as a nation. And the big, most powerful group right in the middle were the Papal States, run by the Pope, tremendously conservative. When in the middle of the 1800s, 1848, to be specific, all across Europe, uh, there are democratic uprisings uh, looking to overthrow monarchies. One of the mar monarchies that was overthrown was the Pope. Well, I mean, the Pope stayed there, but it all shrunk down. So that all is left today is the Vatican. When the Pope lost temporal power, he began to assert spiritual power and teaching power unlike anything that had ever existed in the Catholic Church before. And people are familiar with the idea of papal infallibility. You know, that doesn't come in the year 400. That comes then in the 19th century when the Pope asserts that I have, he has the absolute authority to teach infallible. At the same time, certain things come into the church, the index of condemned books. And so this whole idea of uh, absolute orthodoxy is really be, uh, begun then. The Vatican Council, which happens in your and my lifetime, is it, people say it's a reaction to the Council of Trent, a little bit, but it really in many ways was a reaction to the council that had happened in the 1800s, which was Vatican I. The amazing thing is we are still fighting the same battles. Man, was that a long story? Well, it's a long story, but as you finished it up and said we're fighting the same battles, and I would say, sure, Catholic Church is, but for many Catholics, after all that, they just decided to desert the battlefield. And probably as a consequence of a lot of that, which is, it's not a big tent. And if you're, if you're Pope Benedict, he was like, we don't need to be a big tent, right? Didn't he say, I'd rather have 
fewer people in the pews, but faithful people, right. as opposed to what he looked on and saw people, um, you know, like me, who were raised Catholics, were cultural Catholics, you know, um, and, you know, believed in the community and, um, you know, the, the theology, but did not believe in the divisiveness and the, the overly judgmental part of the church. And we're pretty disgusted by the way the church protected the priests, the um, pedophile priests. So um, I think for many Catholics, their, their way has been like, okay, that's your church. You want to have your church. That's fine, but I'm out. Joe Biden is an exception to that because he is all those things, a cultural Catholic, um, but he has maintained his relationship with the church, a church that increasingly doesn't want him. Uh, and that doesn't mean all, all of the church, but certainly a segment of the church and a segment of the American Catholic leadership. So it's he, he in a sense, for you know, for non-Catholic system to that, they're like, blah, blah, blah. But he really um, is like the poster child for what has happened to most, not most, but many Catholics in the United States, liberal Catholics or Catholics who, um, who believe very much in Catholic doctrine, who, who are, you know, strongly committed to the Catholic church and the community it creates, while at the same time, um, does not accept the orthodoxy that has infected the church that to us as kids would have just been surprising. I, I think I look back to my high school years and I went to Catholic high school, as you know, most listeners know. And um, I, I can't even imagine the, the orthodoxy that we now, to use that word again, that we now see in the Catholic church because it just felt like a bigger place where a variety of views were allowed and welcome. And I was raised by the Ursulines. <clears throat> One of the things that Sister, um, that St. Angela always said is, you know, build community wherever you go. And that's how I thought about Catholicism. Like it was a community of a universal community of which we were all a part. You go to mass in Paris, the mass may be in French, but it's the same, you know, and you're welcomed in the same way. It's just not like that anymore. At least that's been my experience. Yeah, and, you know, to put the, my history in it, I remember so vividly looking at the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and on the front page, there was a picture of one of the marches uh, in Selma, or to Selma, uh, with Martin Luther King. And in the front line, there were a group of nuns uh, in full habit. By the way, I've learned since then they were all from St. Louis, Missouri. That's a useless detail, but I know that. And I looked at that, and to me, I thought, oh, okay, that's the Catholic Church. I like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so the Catholic Church to me was the Church of the Berrigans, of uh, uh, Dorothy Day, of Dorothy Kazel, Sister Dorothy Kazel, who you knew, the church that was in radical service. And that's kind of where I grew adherent. Then, 1968, 
uh, Pope Paul VI uh, reverses the decision of his own commission and says, no, we will not allow art artificial contraception. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal today, but I think that's when it clicked for American Catholics because most American Catholics said, no, no, uh, your argument makes no sense. You make no sense. And that's been added to over the years, the, uh, the doctrine, the uh, writing, the teaching that was put out, no, women cannot be ordained and we can never even talk about it. Add to it the problem with pedophilia. Add to it the problems with, with clericalism. Add to it the teachings about uh, our LGBT brothers and sisters. You put all that together and you go to the young people that, that I teach and they're saying exactly what you are. Whatever, guys, you Catholics knock yourself out because you don't mean very much to us. Interesting. I mean, it's as if we, you know, being educated in the 60s and 70s, were radicalized by the church and many of the church leaders. And then those folks left and many left with them, or at least, you know, half-heartedly stayed a part of the church. So it's a really interesting discussion. And maybe for some people listening, they're like, all right, who cares? You guys talk about that stuff too much. Um, especially when there's so much big stuff happening in Europe over the weekend with Biden going to Europe and the uh, Build Back Better um, limping over the finish line. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about all that next week um, as we, um, you know, follow what's happening. But this, I think, is sometimes a bigger issue than people realize because the Catholics, um, the observant Catholics, I say that, or the conservative Catholics have been a big voting block against Trump, I mean, uh, Biden, and have really done their best to undermine his presidency. And some of the poll numbers would show that at least part of them, part of that is working. It is. And, uh, you know, as we close, I think I can tie this together uh, with the infrastructure legislation and remind people of the sacrament of the reconciliation bill. <laughs> okay, that's the Father and the Son Bye, and the Holy yeah. Spirit. Goodbye. It's been two weeks since my last reconciliation. All right. Bye. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.